Welcome to the Fertility Journeys podcast. Here's Dr. Shala Salem. Emotionally and mentally prepare when you're going through infertility treatment. Welcome, Michelle Bird. Going into infertility treatment, the mindset to know mm-hmm. there will be someone that I love deeply mm-hmm. that I may not have as involved in this process because I have clients who have mothers all the time who can't support them because they're in pain watching their child in pain, Mm -hmm. right? So it doesn't mean that they talk to their mother less. It just may be that there's a phrase that we come up with. There's something that we navigate around to say, Bob, you're very much still in my life. We very much have a relationship, but this area right here, I'm going to hold until I have more information to tell you. Simple as that. Mm -hmm. I know the fertility journey is not easy. Many suffer in silence, walking that line between hope and devastation. More often than we know, the path to building a family is met with challenges. I'm Dr. Shala Salem, and for over a decade, I have been helping people just like you on their fertility journey. As a physician and a PCOS warrior who's gone through my own fertility struggles, I am passionate about helping to support your mental and physical well-being, foster your resilience, and help you maintain your sense of self on this difficult journey. I created this podcast to support you. Each week, you can learn from our expert guests about proven holistic and integrative methods to nurture your mind, body, and spirit and hear women share their own stories to remind you that you are not alone. Welcome to Fertility Journeys. Fertility Journeys Life Hacks. Here's the tip of the week. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Today I'm speaking about the 478 breathing technique. It's something that I learned from Dr. Andrew Weil at the University of Arizona during my integrative medicine training. Dr. Weil says that this is the most powerful tool that he's come across to reduce stress, and anxiety in his entire career. I hope you find this as helpful as I do. To perform 478 breathing, you wanna find yourself in a comfortable seated position. If you're driving, please come back to this at another time. And you can do this with your eyes open or your eyes closed. First, you wanna exhale completely through your mouth. Close your mouth and inhale quietly through your nose to a count of four. Hold your breath for a count of seven. Now exhale completely through your mouth to a count of eight. That is one cycle. Ideally, you repeat this cycle four times in one sitting and then come back to it at least one more time during the day. And it can be done multiple times during the day. Now this technique is something where you'll get the full benefit after practice for about two to three months. Of course, you'll see benefit instantly when you use it but the full benefit comes with practice. This is something that you can use anytime, anywhere, anyone can use it without any special equipment, without any special apps. And that's the beauty of it for me. I can teach it to anybody and it's easy to learn and easy to do. It's a great thing to do when you find yourself suddenly feeling anxious. You're in the doctor's office waiting for your appointment. You are about to go into an important meeting. You are going into a job interview. These are the spaces where we would feel heightened anxiety. 
And what do most of us do during those moments? Most of us pull out our phones. It's natural, right? Everybody has their phones out when we're in a doctor's office, when we're waiting for anything. We always have our phones. And often that's because we just don't want to deal with any feelings that we're feeling. But I think this is a great way to really work to help to balance your nervous system and reduce the symptoms of anxiety. So when we use the phone, that's actually something that could make us more anxious. We have no control over what's going to pop up on our feeds. Sometimes for some of us, we might find triggers. That leaves us feeling only more anxious. So this is something that I recommend in those spaces where you find yourself feeling anxious. Now, this is not just when you're anxious. This is something that you do perhaps when you wake up as a way to start your day. Maybe you wake up at night and you're having a hard time going to sleep. You can use this for a few cycles and it can help you get back to sleep easier. So I want you to try to practice this throughout your day at least once a day. And the full benefits come with using this for two to three months. And that's really where you're going to see a greater reduction in your anxiety. It can improve digestion. It can lower blood pressure, lower our pulse, and the significant benefit for your stress. If you have any questions, if you find this helpful, please let me know. I love to hear your feedback. You can find me on social media. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope that you join me again next week. Research has found the stress of infertility leading to anxiety and depression to be one of the main reasons couples discontinue fertility treatment. And we also know that women who receive a diagnosis of infertility experience the same level of anxiety and depression as women who receive a cancer diagnosis. While we're doing a better job at looking at the role of mental health and infertility these days compared to decades past, we still have a really long way to go. And it makes me wonder why we're not paying more attention to mental health. Well, today's guest is going to help us learn how to emotionally and mentally prepare when you're going through infertility treatment. Welcome, Michelle Bird. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Why do you think mental health is not given the attention that it deserves when it comes to infertility? Well, there's always been a stereotype that you have to be severely mentally incapacitated in order to be mentally ill, meaning a severe diagnosis of something that maybe has you out of touch with reality. But in truth, most, if you live on this earth, you will experience anxiety, you will experience depression, you will experience low sense of self. That's what mental health addresses. And I think that many have this all or nothing type of uh, mindset that they're not sick enough necessarily to seek out treatment. But in truth, most will need some type of intervention to assist them with life. Life throws us many curveballs that we sometimes can't navigate on our own. And so infertility is one of those things that most of us do not see coming. And so it's very tough to navigate independently. I agree. And I think, as you said, we often think that you need to be in the depths of despair before you reach out for support for mental mm -hmm. health. 
and it's something that you should be you know getting support along the way it helps to take care of just as you go to your general practitioner to do your checkups right yeah the same kind of thing is working with someone to help your mental health along the way yes. and there's a lot of stigma that comes with taking care of mental health and unfortunately that carries in to the area of infertility which also unfortunately, still carries a lot of stigma along with it too. Yes. Yes. And you need to almost think of it as normal as you go into a physician for your body. Seeking mental health treatment is that for your mind that you want it to be assessed and regularly in good condition where it can function the way that it's supposed to function. Yeah. And I think also the other thing to keep in mind is that the mind and the body are not these separate entities, right? Yeah. We have this idea when it comes to conventional medicine that mind and body are separate, that whatever's happening in your mind is not going to affect the body. And that's not the case. I mean, as yeah. I said in the intro here, the leading causes for discontinuing treatment are anxiety and depression. And so those can actually lead to physical symptoms along yes. the way as well. It is not something that is just limited to your mind. Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this field? Yeah, I, like many practitioners, <clears throat> had my own struggle with fertility. And when you are in a position to help others already pursuing the mental health field, but when you have an opportunity to see people in a way and help them through something that you went through yourself, it really takes your career and pivots it to another direction. And so like many other practitioners, that's how we find ourselves in this infertility community. There's a sense of understanding and compassion that we want to be able to share with others through everyone's stories. So that's how I got here. Yeah, I think that's so very true. And it adds a level of, like you said, compassion to what you do because you have an understanding of what it means to go through that. That's why it's really important to work with somebody in the area of, you know, mental health who at least specialize in the area of infertility, which can be difficult. And sometimes it's hard to find a practitioner who has experience in that area. But I think it's really important to find that. Yes, I agree. And, and our stories are the access point, but we then go and get further training and education because our story is not your story. We mm -hmm. hear so many different variations of what infertility looks like. And so I think our story is the driving point, but it's certainly seeking more understanding of what others may experience. It's important. I definitely agree. There's no one story that's identical, right? So everybody's story, everybody's experience is completely different. So it's important to have an understanding of that. Now, someone you know, listening may have received the infertility diagnosis and they may have their doctor recommending that they go through treatment, maybe certain types of reproductive assistance. And this is something that actually can lead to a level of 
grief, right? So it, it is somewhat of a loss, sort of grieving the idea that you are now no longer going to be able to get pregnant without assistance. And I think that is something important to touch on. Absolutely. When I hear you say that, I think of something that David Kessler, who's a big grief and loss expert, and what he says is love and grief come as a package deal. And so when you think about someone who has had a dream of a family for most of their life, they love that family or that dream even before it comes into existence. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't have to be present in order for you to grieve that. If you've had a love or a desire for something so great, you will then have to grieve when it's not going the way that you thought it would go. And that's probably the the biggest hurdle that many find themselves struggling with at the doorstep of infertility, which is mm-hmm. I'm here and I, I'm told that I need more help, but I'm just devastated at the idea of how did I get here? I didn't expect to have to go through months of trying and still need help. Why am I not pregnant? Why can't I have right. a baby? So that grief is very important to process and understand in order to really be healthy to move forward. Yeah, that is so wonderfully put because I think sometimes we think that there's only grief in somebody who maybe experienced a loss or somebody who had a pregnancy loss, but there's unfortunately grief that comes along the steps along the way. So somebody may already be dealing with that before they even walk into the door of their doctor, right? And so that is why we are talking about preparing mentally for this process. It is a journey. It is not something that for some happens right away, unfortunately. It's something that many have already waited years before they come into their doctor for. And so I think getting help along the way is really, really important because we underestimate how much grief we've already dealt with before we even get into that doctor's office. Absolutely. And you really have to take an honest inventory of what you're feeling that you're really wanting to get to the end goal of a family, but there's so much that happens in between there that it's really the emotional energy that will be your fuel to navigate your infertility journey. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, you're starting the process with low fuel, meaning Mm -hmm. you've had months of months of not trying, little support, It's really about refueling and getting what you need to be able to overcome what is yet to come for any of us. When you go to the doctor, they can't magically say you're pregnant next month. That is another door you're opening and saying, let's see what happens here. But if you haven't really given the time and attention to 
the things that have happened before, you then carry that into your journey. You carry that with you. And it can be almost an anchor holding you back from having clarity on decision-making, having clarity on moving forward in the best place possible mentally. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. That's why it's so important as we're stressing here to really take care of yourself along the way because it does take a lot of time. Unfortunately, there's lots that has to go into this and that's why it's important because I think self-care is taking care of your physical and your mental health. And mental health is probably even paramount than physical health, honestly. So I think that super, super important. Do you think that it is normal to experience feelings of anger about having to use assistance? Absolutely. Anger is another form of grief. Anger is a way that we express our grief. And so it's normal. And Mm -hmm. you want the anger to not get out of control and to really have a safe space to really let the anger be productive. What's behind that anger? And to really have someone safe that is unaffected by that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you picture that to someone who's in your life, they may get caught up in you expressing something and there's emotion in between there that they have a hard time separating that that anger is not directed at them. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why many of my clients do sit across from me, they cry, they scream, they let the anger out. And I mean, it's like they've let off the weight in a place where it's been safe. No one's hurt. I'm not impacted by their anger. And it helps them to understand that this is a part of the process, right? Yeah. If you're feeling some type of anger, it's it's actually normal. You're grieving the fact that something didn't go the way that you thought it would go. And it's yeah. okay to be upset about that. It's okay to be angry. Yeah, I think that's so important. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges that men and women face when embarking on fertility treatment or when they're in the midst of fertility treatment? Well, both statistically experience infertility differently. Mm -hmm. And that's where it then comes out about the, the difference in motivation for parenting. There's just so many things that come out with fertility, infertility treatment, that someone who didn't have to face this wouldn't necessarily say or do. So understanding that because your partner may not feel exactly the way that you feel, doesn't decrease the idea that they don't want a family just as much as you do. I think that even in grief, there's this example I'm thinking of where a partner's parent had died, but their significant other felt like, well, why aren't they falling out crying Mm -hmm. and 
why does their grief look different than what I think it should? And the truth is, we all carry things differently. We all handle things differently. And the minute that you start to try to feel like he's not bottling something that I think is appropriate or I think is normal is where we go wrong. Right. That partner may be carrying what you're experiencing to more. And so having conversations about what are you feeling instead of looking for the body language, instead of looking for things and cues, mm-hmm. having open conversations about this is what I'm feeling and express what is done to you. And you right. would be shocked what your partner may say. Mm-hmm. It may look very different what they're experiencing on the outside, but on the mm-hmm. inside, they're right with you. Yeah, I think that is super important. Like you said, women and men, we are experiencing grief and the stress of infertility very differently. And we expect that they should be more sad or maybe verbalize it more, show their emotions more. But there's also this societal idea about how men should respond to emotional situations, right? Or perhaps, depending on their cultural background, there's an idea about how men should respond as well. They are supposed to be strong, or they're supposed to be the ones that's going to be supporting you. And, And so I think that also comes into play as well. Yes, and removing those expectations and really having a direct conversation so that when my partner does this, that means this. And having it directly from them instead of making an assumption. Because again, you're navigating so much when it comes to treatment of itself that to try to manage your partner's emotions and what that means really could sabotage the relationship moving forward as far as the health of how do we get through this and still remain connected, healthy. Yes. All those things. Yeah. You had a relationship before infertility, right? And unfortunately, many couples, if not most couples, will have lots of challenges when going through infertility for some of the reasons that we discussed. And it can lead to a lot of strain on the relationship, wondering like, where's the person that I partnered with in the beginning before all of this? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's also a lot of anxiety that can come along with treatment. Can we talk a little bit about how anxiety comes in and the signs that we should look for? Yeah, the function of anxiety is to protect us. And so anxiety comes into play for most that I see with infertility when there's a threat of something that's unpleasant, meaning there's a threat of a potential loss of a dream. There's a threat Mm -hmm. of experiencing a loss again. There's a threat of all these things, many examples. Your brain has soared experiences that until it's really reconditioned to have different experiences to kind of counter those others, it really kicks it to high gear when it sees, oh gosh, we're going back for another cycle. Will this one fail? Well, if you don't have a lot of evidence of a success, well, 
you're going to be anxious. It's natural to be anxious. What does that look like? Looks different for many people. Brain becomes hyperactive. You become very fidgety, restless, unable to really concentrate. You cry, overwhelmed. It can manifest in, in many ways. But what I want you to know is that anxiety is there to really protect you from harm. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to infertility, no one wants to go through failure. No one wants to go yeah. through pain, unsuccessful cycles. Mm -hmm. And so that's the big question that many have is, will this month work? How long mm -hmm. is this going to take? Will I ever become a, a parent? And that's where anxiety is. It's really there and is to protect you, to kind of flee away from potential harm. And the main ways that we help someone combat uh, anxiety is it, through exposure, is through mm -hmm. going through what you need to go through to get the answer. Right now, the evidence that we have is you've had this failed cycle, but that doesn't mean that you won't become a parent. That experience is there, but there are many other experiences that still have yet to be played out, right? So mm -hmm. think about that with anxiety. Anxiety is there. It's going to function. It's going to try to protect you. But managing that anxiety is massive in order to really understand that it's not there to... I guess, keep me in my corner and not have me go through treatment. It's actually there to warn me that, hey, you've been through a pretty bad experience before. Mm -hmm. And it hurt. And it's okay. And when you're dealing with some of those things, as you go through your treatment, you're able to really, in a healthy manner, say, I, I understand why I'm pretty activated right yeah. now with my anxiety. I went through a loss last cycle or a couple cycles ago, or the outcome was not what I expected. Mm -hmm. And pushing through that is exactly what we do. We work through to see your journey through where it needs to go for you to have the outcome, good or bad, that you've done everything that you could, right? So the anxiety yeah. is there to protect you, but it's as false as the protection it's really basic the awareness on what it knows. It doesn't have that experience yet of bringing a baby home. That's right. why some may have less anxiety after having a successful because they have those good examples and it also has those ones that aren't not so good. So you can balance out the two. Right. That's wonderful advice because oftentimes you will see it as there's something wrong with me, or may not even recognize it, right? May not yeah. really understand why I'm feeling this way. Why do I feel like I need to go for another ultrasound? Or why do I feel more nervous when I get into the doctor's office? And realizing that, unfortunately, those things can be very normal. I think it's yes. good to know that. Yes. Having a solid support system, super important. And trying to decide who's going to be in that support system for you. So that could look very different for everyone. Now, some people may keep this more private. It might be just you and your partner. But 
Can we talk a little bit about how to make the decision if you want to expand that support system to involve any family or friends? How do you make that decision about who to tell and who not to tell about doing treatment? Because sometimes it can actually make you feel that there's more pressure when you tell certain people. Yeah, I think it's very individualized and it has to do with how you feel based on someone's response. And you'll know if you try to really give just a little bit of information and if their response is something that is very dismissive and lacks empathy, that might not be the person that you could talk to about this. Mm -hmm. And many find that their family and friends are not aware of infertility treatments in general. Mm -hmm. And that's why many find themselves coming to a therapist because they say, hey, with you, I can be this. And then Mm -hmm. I can go back home and be what I need to be for them. But ultimately, it does not reflect that that person loves you any less. They just Mm -hmm. can't support you with something that they don't know. And you have to be very quick to determine, is it serving me to talk to my mother-in-law about us not being able to get pregnant? Mm -hmm. Well, everyone has motivation on why they may want you to be successful. And a mother-in-law may be, she wants that grandchild, right? Mm-hmm. So she might say things that may tie into what she wants mm-hmm. and less about what you may need. How are you feeling? And the support system is huge where many find that while some will be empathetic through circumstances of a loss or whatnot, but for the duration of their journey, they really feel that the support that they need is through someone who really understands infertility, who really Mm -hmm. understands that it's not something that's based on whether you're strong or not. It's not something based on you're doing something wrong that you need to relax. It has nothing to do with those things. Yeah. And when someone understands that, they will say those hurtful things. They will Mm -hmm. do those hurtful things that make you feel unsupported. I totally agree. Let's say you're in a situation and you might be, like you said, your mother-in-law or a sister, and they say something in their mind, which is helpful advice or supportive, but for you, it actually feels really hurtful. Do you think that it's good to kind of let them know how you're feeling? How do you approach that? It depends. If you're in a place that you can respond in a way that it won't lead to some type of argument. If mm-hmm. you're in a place where you can do that in a healthy manner, do it. But you're going to respond based on mm-hmm. you feeling hurt. Yes. And so this can really exacerbate to something that neither one uh, of you guys saw coming because you're both responding to your own deeds. And so mm-hmm. it's best sometimes to wait and go back and let them know that the comment was hurtful. And if you can do that in a manner where it doesn't escalate, have at it. But most of the time when comments are made like that, 
we're very triggered. We're very yes. that how you you have no idea what you're saying. Do you know how painful mm-hmm. it has been? And if all we had to do was get alcohol and let go and go on vacation, yeah. we would have done that by now. Right. And so most of the time, it's really revisiting at a later time where you have the the bandwidth to be ready for more because that person may mm-hmm. be ready to defend their comment. Yes. And again, another red flag that this is not a person that you could talk to about your fertility journey and it doesn't make them less of a lovable person just there are times in life where people can walk with you through whatever you're going through Mm -hmm. and you will find that there are people who cannot walk with you through your fertility journey and Mm -hmm. there is nothing wrong with it it's just you recognizing it and knowing that that person doesn't love me any less they just don't understand what i need right now and I need to be with someone who helps fuel me instead of tearing me down. I imagine that that could be really difficult if you have kind of an idea of how you want your sister or your mom to respond and you don't get that. Yeah. Right? There's this letdown of, hey, I thought my mom was going to be my biggest cheerleader and now I, I can't really share it with her, right? Yeah. That's something that can be really hurtful and and hard that sometimes you have to accept that you may not get the response from even the people who are closest to you. Going into infertility treatments, if you set, I, I guess, a mindset to know mm-hmm. there will be someone that I love deeply mm-hmm. that I may not have as involved in this process because I have clients who have mothers all the time who can't support them because they're in pain watching their child in pain, Mm -hmm. right? So it doesn't mean that they talk to their mother less. It just may be that there's a phrase that we come up with. There's something that we navigate around to say, Bob, you're very much still in my life. We very much have a relationship. But this area right here, I'm going to hold until I have more information to tell you simple as that Mm -hmm. that's really good advice just to have that understanding that not everybody will react the way you want them to which is which is hard i think it's really hard to accept that and comes to terms with that no doubt what do you think about getting support from social media there's a good part of social media because you can connect with community of women and men who are going through the treatment. But at the same time, there are a lot of things there that may be difficult for somebody who's going through because there's a lot of people doing different treatments. A lot of people are doing different protocols and it's like, should I be doing this? Maybe I should be doing that. What kind of advice do you have for navigating social media? Oh, social media. It could be something else. You have to have the ability to turn it off when it's not helpful and to be able to gravitate towards what is good for you, what feeds you, what fuels you. And there's so many variations of stories that are out there on social media. What you have to understand is that's their story. Yes. Everyone that has PCOS doesn't look the same. And what has worked for that person may not work for you 
or IVF. There's mm-hmm. so many different variations of success. And I think you have to be in a place where if you see someone who has almost a very close story of yours mm-hmm. and it doesn't go the way that you think it's going to go or that person has a loss the next time you go on there you see that you're following them mm-hmm. are you healthy enough to process that for them because you really become emotionally involved in their stories social yes. media uh can be motivational but it can also be very depressing mm-hmm. and many of my clients we talk about that. How did that TikTok video help you? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if it really took us to this dark place, maybe we need to talk about, is this really healthy for you to watch some of these videos or to interact? Because again, me seeing that everyone's story is different and you emotionally went through infertility because I'm not going through infertility. You are. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're emotionally wrapped up in the world right now. It's very hard to be in it and try to navigate it. Where if you're speaking to someone who kind of can see what's happening here, we can keep you out of that, that place. But social media can truly be good or can truly be something that derails you emotionally. And you have to be equipped to be able to know, I was on TikTok all day today. Why am I feeling mm-hmm. so bad? Well, you didn't really get anything off of that other than watching a, a bunch of stories. It could be informative. We're on social media. We're out there to mm-hmm. share information. I also, like, there's providers for everyone. And yes. so what I may say may not resonate with many people. But what someone else may say may speak to you. And you have to be able to sort through the bad along with the good. If that person Mm -hmm. has said something, you being able to brush it off and say, I'm going to scroll and keep finding things that are going to help fuel me to the goal that I want to get. I completely agree. Social media, there's things that can be good, but it also can be definitely difficult. I've had patients who've told me, I saw this story on social media or Facebook, and this person had to do X, Y, and Z. Is that what's going to happen to me? Am I going to have to wait two years? Am I going to have to go? So yeah, identifying that your story is individual and that everybody's different, right? Everybody's PCOS, like you said, is different. And just because they used Clomid or Letrozole doesn't mean that that's going to work for you. And so understanding that you're not there to compare, which is hard, right? It's really hard to not compare. It's really hard to go, why? Well, that woman had 15 eggs and had 10 embryos, but but I have five, something's wrong with me, right? Yes. That's another thing I see. Well, and you set yourself up at the very beginning, just knowing that the outcome that she's going to have is going to be different than mine. If you can stay with that, then follow Mm -hmm. those stories. But most of the time we can't because the goal is that we desperately want a baby. Yes. And so 
Very rarely do I run across someone who says, I could turn that off, Michelle. I could turn that off. Most of the time, they're trying to find alternative ways. What's going to work for me? Maybe I should go mm-hmm. this route. Maybe I should do this. She got yeah. 20 embryos. Well, but there's so much that that person's not telling you in that story, mm-hmm. in that journey. There's so much that is not there that we can't. It's like a movie. We don't know. Yeah. We don't have an, any idea of what it took to produce that movie until right. we get a behind-the-scenes look. But yes. man, the end product is just beautiful. Is there's mm-hmm. just this production of something that we didn't know what was behind the curtain. We didn't mm-hmm. know. You have to really be mindful of how you navigate social media for all the reasons that we talked about. Yeah. One of the last things I wanted to talk about is how, unfortunately, there are many, many women who have been going on the fertility journey for a while, and they will encounter unsuccessful cycles, right? So whether that be that they are doing oral medications or they're doing intrauterine insemination or IVF, most women will encounter an unsuccessful cycle. And so what kind of advice do you have when we encounter those points on our journey? I think the best advice I could give is to give that cycle the space that you need to process what has happened. It's something that is very real that has happened, whether it's failed through a loss or it has failed through being a successful meeting that there was nothing that happened, mm-hmm. it still deserves your attention to be able to move forward. I think that it can either be something that fuels you to keep going or it could be something that weighs you down. And when I say weigh you down, you really don't want to pack on all these things and really not understand what you're feeling, what emotions you're still carrying, those things are what impact who you are at the end of your journey, who you are, what type of person you become through the emotional toll that infertility could take you through. So through a failed cycle, if you feel like, I really think I need to talk to someone about this because this is actually hitting me hard, whether things need to be paused in your life, you may not have much to give in other places. It's okay to hit pause with those type of things. Mm-hmm. Take time off of work. Really, I can't say a massage will make it go away. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is be good to your body, be good to your mind, and have it a place that you you really can process a failed month. And what does that be for you moving forward? Because when you're constantly aware of where you are emotionally and when you make the choice to move forward, it's not a place of, I don't want to say desperation, but it's not, it's not mm-hmm. coming from a place of lack of awareness. When you move forward, it's because that's something that you've decided to do and that's what it's going to take for you to get your family. Yeah. You, know, you really have to deal with cycle to cycle. What has this done for me? How has this affected me? And what do I need to move forward? 
Yeah. As you mentioned, it's really important to pay attention when you need to take a break, right? Yes. I see lots of couples who want to just go, 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 because sitting in that grief of the unsuccessful cycle is real hard. But I think it's really important to know if you take a few months off, because I think there's the other thing is there's this pressure that, oh my goodness, I'm aging and I need to keep going and I need to keep moving. But taking a break is so, so important. Can't stress that enough, how important it is to pay attention to, you know, your physical and emotional health and really know when it's time to take a break. Absolutely. There are times where we all must stop and refuel and reassess how you would do things differently or the same. Everyone needs to stop at some point in their life, whether it's infertility related or not, that you have to pause and say, what exactly is it that I need? Or why am I feeling anxious every day? Why am I feeling depressed every day? Is there something differently that my spouse and I could be doing? That's where the pause will allow us to really pay attention to the other things that are going on in our lives besides yeah. going to the clinic and, and going through that routine, right? My question for Betty is whether or not you're successful with the family or not, who is it that you want to be mm-hmm. at the end of all of this? We're going to give everything that we got, but mm-hmm. who is it that you want to be? And, and for those who become a parent, what type of parent do you want to be? You know, mm-hmm. that you've exhausted yourself to get this pregnancy, but in the end, there's there's a round two for the children that you need to be mm-hmm. a healthy enough for, or for the ones that are not successful. Having the ability to then say, what's next for me? So there's right. so much more than just fertility here. It's also, you're a person, a whole person, after this is all done. And if Mm -hmm. we don't, in a healthy way, say, let's deal with this at an ongoing basis, instead of waiting to the end Mm -hmm. and being destroyed, because ultimately, if you're not successful, there is a a point, a grief that is dark that you work through. But if you've got that grief along with so many other things that's happened in your journey that Mm -hmm. you've never dealt with, I'm telling you, that's a dark place to be. Yeah. But breaks are helpful. And reassessing why you're doing it, how healthy are you doing it, and what things need to change in order to better serve you and your partner going through the journey. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's wonderful advice. Thank you so much. I usually, in closing, I kind of pay attention to the idea that Joy is so often ignored when people are going through infertility. Everything is focused on the fertility journey and we forget to experience joy. And so I want to have from you, what are the ways that you cultivate joy in your everyday life? Focusing on what is instead of what isn't, because there's so many things that... I can wake up and actually say, oh my gosh, I may not be where I thought I would be, but there's so many things. I'm waking up this morning without cancer. 
I wake up this morning and I can get my car and drive. So joy is everywhere. It's like a fruit tree that we're exposed to every day. And whether or not you want to pick something from that tree is up to you. Mm -hmm. Yep. And having those small moments of joy really could be the difference in you experiencing some sort of happiness throughout Mm -hmm. instead of when I do this, then joy will come. Mm Because that's not true. Joy is all throughout your walk. And it's up to you to decide. It's not based on when I achieve this. It's actually Mm -hmm. a a mindset that I wake up and say, oh my gosh, there's so many things that are wrong, but there's so many things that are right. And I choose Mm -hmm. to lead into those things that are right because that's what helps me to be healthy, happy, and a person that I like to recognize in the mirror. Mm -hmm. I love that because yes, you are right. I think oftentimes we're waiting for X to happen so we can be happy, right? Once this happens, I'm going to be happy. And then it's the next thing. Once this happens and then this happens and then you come and find out that you've spent your whole time just living in the future. Uh Uh So I, I think that's really, really wonderful advice. Where can listeners find you and connect with you? So I'm on Instagram, the... T-H-E-E, Michelle Bird, B-Y-R-D. I have a website, birdcounseling.com. And you can email me, info at birdcounseling.com. So those are ways that people can get a hold of me. Thank you so much, Michelle, for sharing this with us. I know that this is going to be so helpful for listeners. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. The Fertility Journeys podcast. Thank you for listening today. Episodes of Fertility Journeys drop every week. Follow wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at fertilityjourneys.org. Next time on the Fertility Journeys podcast. Have you ever worked with a physician to optimize your sleep? Today's guest is going to help us learn more about arguably the most important part of well-being and health. Welcome, Dr. Broderick. Most of us spend tons of time in front of the computer, the phone, or the tablet. What does the evidence say about the effects of screens on sleep? In the evening in particular is when I really get the most concerned about being on the screen. A lot of people are saying, well, I use this night shift mode or I use this flux program on my computer, so it's not a big deal, but it's not just the light. When we're sitting in front of the screen, we're still telling our brain that it's daytime even though it's dark outside. We need it to be dark, secrete that melatonin to initiate the sleep part of our cycle. Even when we use blue light blocking glasses, these night shift modes, it doesn't matter. It's not just the blue light. It's the engagement of Mm -hmm. the brain and the dopamine and things like that that are happening too. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Please consult with your own physician as information shared on this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice.